This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Hi, I'm Ralph Tucker from Tucker Media. The year 2020 has certainly presented challenges for everyone across the world. In 2020 Revision, I'll chat to a cross-section of the community about their experiences and learnings in this truly unique period of history. From business owners, to professional athletes, to new mums, everyone will share their stories. And to give it an authentic 2020 feel, I've recorded these chats at my kitchen table over Zoom. Ben Pollock, welcome to 2020 Revision. Yeah, thanks, Ralph. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Now, you're the media and digital manager at the Canberra Raiders National Rugby League Club. Um, I guess, first of all, can you take us through your 2020 and what's been an unprecedented year for, for everyone? Yeah, like you said, um, no different for me from everybody else. Um, I think everybody experienced some sort of disruption uh, to their life during this year, and uh, we were no exception here at the Raiders. Um, we went through a period there... Um, obviously with the games uh, a little bit up in the air about what was going to happen at the time. And we were the first game to be really affected by it. I think we were on the Friday six o'clock game and we had to wait for Scott Morrison's press conference at three o'clock to see uh, if we were actually going to be allowed to have anybody inside the venue. So we all sat around the TV at Raiders HQ waiting for that decision. And then crowds were permitted um, for that weekend. And then round two, obviously we had games behind closed doors and we thought that was going to be how the season panned out, and then obviously uh, the game shut down totally um, after that round. So um, with that came um, some really hard decisions for our club management, uh, and that was to predominantly stand down um, probably about 95% of the workforce um, and just have one or two people here to keep things running uh, while um, things were being sorted out. Um, And, you know, I was in the the group that um, was told that, we wouldn't be around for the foreseeable future until things were sorted out. So for me personally, um, I was lucky enough to uh, have a connection uh, in the media um, industry here in Canberra, um, a a really, really good and up and coming media communications company, RD Consulting, um, their boss, uh, Colin Anstey, um, is a a personal friend of mine, but also um, someone that I've worked with along the way over many years and he had actually a lot of work going on um, in this space um, due to COVID and due to some other big projects. So um, I had a quick chat to him and um, I was fortunate enough to pick up some work there and and actually take um, a couple of my team members with me as well. So that gave them an opportunity to keep, um, you know, income coming in and, and some work happening during that time. Yeah, so I'll declare an interest here. I work with the, the ABC and obviously the, the radio part of that and the, the broadcast and, and Ben's a big part of the clubs that we work with closely and, and have close communication with throughout the NRL season. So in order to sort of get things going, um, the media manager is the, the first port of call for a lot of people like myself and we've got good relationships with the Raiders. And I remember that Friday that you mentioned driving down there and the first sort of message that I heard was you on the radio saying we've allowed fans to to come in. Take me through it from a a club perspective and and your relationship with the players and the communication that has to go on. There was a period there where 
we had to work out what the rules would be. The players had to enter a, a bubble. There were a number of biosecurity measures that, that were in place. How did that all affect, I guess, the club in, in, in general? Yeah, well, it was a huge um, unknown, obviously, when it first all happened, uh, particularly with the players. Obviously, their salary um, is derived 100% from broadcast revenue. So everybody, um, all players and, and football-related staff, you know, their effective wage gets paid by the game through the broadcast deal. So with no broadcast television um, matches happening across Fox or Nine, then um, that means that there's no money coming into the game. So there was a real period of uncertainty. Um, and some of that was alleviated in the short term by the announcement by the government that the, the JobKeeper program would come in and and we sort of were able to communicate to the players that you know there would be some sort of revenue coming in for them um, during this time. However, um, obviously, um, Peter Volandis and his team at the NRL Commission did a, a wonderful job getting the Project Apollo uh, up and running, which our CEO, Don Ferner, was a part of. Um, and that was all about getting the game back and, and getting it back. And they set some pretty ambitious targets. And me, like most people, probably looked at that, I think it was um, May 29 or something like that. The May 28. I <laughs> said, we're going to be back by then. And I think everybody said, well, that's great, but how are you going to do it? it did, everything in society was completely shut down at the time and I don't think anybody had any real hope. But um, thankfully, um, Peter Volandis and his team were able to to absolutely pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and pretty much set the standard for what happened over the next six months um, in sport, not only in the country, but also across the globe. So um, it was really refreshing to see um, NRL uh, at the forefront of those um, sort of pioneering to get the game back up and running again. And um, and then obviously that once that date was set, it gave everybody that little bit of stability and, and knowledge that they knew that they had something to aspire to. And, you know, if that got pushed back a week or two, then that would be okay because they knew that um, there was a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And, and thankfully the game did start back on that date and everybody was able to get back to some sort of normality. Um, although, um, as you mentioned, there were a lot of restrictions put in place to make that happen. Uh, we had uh, what they call bubbles uh, inside the NRL where uh, the players uh, and football-related staff uh, were under a really strict set of guidelines, more strict than society itself. And uh, when other people were starting to be allowed to go back into cafes and, and bits and pieces like that, then the, the players and the, and the staff weren't. They had to continue to live in these bubbles and effectively could only go to either training or uh, uh, to play matches and that was pretty much their life for the whole season so um, you know you have to give those guys credit for the ama- amazing um, you know sacrifices that they undertook during that period. Now one of the things that you do obviously and you do it very well is is get your players in the media and get them exposure which in turn acts as a sort of twofold thing first of all it allows them to communicate to the fans and it also allows your club sponsors to get exposure as well. So given those strict biosecurity measures and the bubble that was in place and you being outside the bubble, take me through the challenges involved in what would be a a significantly easier task during normal times than it was during this period of the game. Yeah, well, um, you hit the nail on the head. The challenge was the fact that we couldn't have direct communication with, with players and Uh, Early on, um, uh, with the biosecurity measures and things like that, uh, it was very challenging because we had to try and work work out a way to keep people engaged 
uh, and keep people um, access um, to our players and, and coaches and things like that. So the NRL, again, um, work with clubs and uh, we all established um, our own Zoom communications like pretty much everyone has now. Um, and, and, and that sort of led the way in being able to have the players involved. Um, thankfully for us here at the Raiders, we actually moved into a brand new uh, center of excellence uh, literally two weeks before uh, this all sort of happened so we've got this amazing facility here that's got um, the capacity to do things that other clubs probably can't uh, we've got really good um, player uh, and football related facilities but we've also got some facilities here that help our space too we've got our own uh, little media studio where we can set up interviews and things like that so um, the building was pretty much split into two designated uh, zones. There was a clean zone and a dirty zone uh, and people um, who were inside the bubble could only move within the clean zone and likewise for people um, that were in the dirty zone. So people could still come to work um, as normal, but there was just, you know, basically some segregation between the two areas. Um, and then um, as uh, sort of the season progressed and the, the protocols relaxed a little bit, um, we were able to create a neutral zone uh, where uh, we could actually bring players in to an area in our facility and, and have um, a sort of a, a sectioned off area where they would walk in. Uh, we would get the media in sort of 15 minutes before any uh, press conferences and have them all set up ready to go. And then the player would come in, um, uh, do their interview or coach, and then they would leave um, and then the media would leave afterwards. So there was never any real um, direct contact between um, external people uh, and the people inside the bubble. So for us, that worked really well. Um, and, you know, this day and age, um, I remember a time when I first started where, you know, you'd have five or six TV cameras coming to every press conference and, you know, half a dozen journos as well. Uh, but in this day and age, due to uh, not only budget cuts, but also some technology, um, we're able to actually film those uh, press conferences internally and then distribute those to those people who want them. So as you mentioned before, it's um, it's a free kick for our sponsors and our brand exposure if we're being able to provide uh, that service um, across the, the major news platforms and, and give uh, more people some vision on uh, what we do. And what about the players themselves? I think Canberra were one of the clubs being in a, a regional area that were probably more affected by the travel, the day in, day out, um, in and out departure for pre-games and games. So you guys were doing a lot of bus trips um, back and forth to, to Sydney and, and other areas, whereas some clubs were able to sort of fly. So talk to me about how the players and the coaching staff and the people around the footy club were, were, were dealing with, with that kind of situation in combination with the, the strict measures that were in place um, every day throughout the season. Look, we won't. We weren't the only club that faced challenges during the year, and you, you automatically think of the New Zealand Warriors, who pretty much um, relocated to another country for the, for the entire season. Uh, the Melbourne Storm um, had to do it a few weeks into the competition as well and relocate to the Sunshine Coast. Um, they were a little bit different that they had to. They were able to bring their families and and um, and close you know contacts with them on that trip. Um, for our guys, you know, they were able to, you know, go home to their families every night and sleep in their own beds and things like that. But where we were probably disadvantaged from the rest of the competition was, as you said, the travel. So we had to um, either bus or fly to um, all of our games outside of Canberra. 
uh, on the day of the match, which is something that's never really um, been done before. It's usually a, a trip up the night before or even a couple of days before for some of those longer games. Um, and we actually had the um, even further disadvantage for the first few rounds where um, with the strict protocols that were initially put in place, matches were only allowed to be played um, either in Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane. Um, so there was no matches in Canberra. So we had to play our first two home games at Campbelltown, um, which presented its own challenges, not only from a playing perspective, but also from a, a commercial marketing uh, point of view as well. We had to um, take all of our own signage, our staff, um, our whole game day production to a totally different venue three hours away. So it was a, a pretty big burden on everyone at the club at the time, but uh, you can't fault the attitude of the staff and the playing group during that period. They just rolled their sleeves up, got the job done, um, and then thankfully we were able to come back to Canberra. But as I said, the, the travel was a real big one for us because kilometre-wise, if you looked at it from that perspective, the Cowboys and uh, the Gold Coast and teams like that probably did more kilometres. But in terms of travel time, we actually spent more time on buses and in planes and than any other team. And I think it was a total of about 50 hours just on travel on game days for the season compared to a team like... Um, some of those teams of Western Sydney that might have done 10 hours travel for the whole season. So it was a disadvantage, but um, at the same time, uh, Ricky's got a really good um, attitude towards adversity within this playing group and they've, they've faced challenges before and they face these ones um, at the same time. You touched on the ability for your staff to, I guess, create their, their own content and distribute it to, to media outlets. What is, were some of the other learnings coming out of 2020 for you? I think some of the big um, learnings for us were around the responsibility that we have internally to make sure that the club um, continues to be um, front of mind for supporters and uh, and also potential supporters. Uh, uh, revenue was one thing that was you know greatly affected um, for rugby league clubs in in 2020, as it probably was for most businesses. You know, obviously, cafes and restaurants and things like that went through a period where uh, they weren't allowed to open at all and had to shut down and. Um, for us, it was things like, um, you know, gate takings, uh, tickets. We, we were very limited in the amount of tickets we could sell to matches. Uh, memberships, we had to come up with a program to um, look at um, either rolling over people's memberships into the next season or refunding memberships or people donating their membership money to um, our foundation to help assist in the club um, continuing on. So. I mean, that was really encouraging that we had over 90, I think it was 91 or 92% of people um, went for the options to either roll over or donate. I think we only had about, you know, 5 or 6% of people that actually um, called for their money back and we were understanding with that decision. Um, but it really gave us a, um, a really good um, sort of understanding of how fragile our industry can be. And, and if something like this happens again, um, the, the repercussions it can have. So... From, a, from an internal um, digital media perspective, it was um, for us, it was about continuing to, to keep our own internal channels um, fully serviced and, you know, giving that insight that fans probably were lacking a little bit because obviously media had limited access um, to our players and, you know, things that we've done in the past uh, weren't able to happen this year. Um, and at the same time, making sure that we continued our presence um, in the mainstream media. So... Um, on any given week, we would have you know, six to seven players involved in either radio um, interviews or Zoom interviews with, um, with broadcast partners and just being able to 
um, to keep the Raiders brand and their name out there. You talked about having to step out for a few weeks while the competition was in, in shutdown. What were some of the things that you, I guess, learnt from being in a, a different working environment that you could bring back to, to your role at the Canberra Raiders? It was actually really good for me. I think, um, uh, as I mentioned, I went and worked for a company called RD Consulting and um, they are, you know, a real leader in in their space. Um, they provide communications consultancy for a number of businesses and some of their big uh, clients include um, Australian Army and Defence and a lot of government departments. And it was really good to go and work uh, with some, you know, top-level professionals in, in that industry. As I mentioned, uh, they're, they're sort of... CEO Kyle Anstey um, is a really experienced operator and he's got a really strong team of professionals around him. It was really good just to work alongside of those people and and bounce ideas off them for certain projects we were working on and um, and be able to provide some um, insight and input the other way as well. I think that was really good and being able to um, maintain those relationships um, throughout the course of the season and, and keep in touch with those people. And I probably that's one probably one thing I didn't really appreciate was how important it is for, for you to, um, as a as a, um, a leader in our team here at the Raiders, is to make sure that you're keeping on top of those industry trends and, and what's happening in that space in your business because you can get a little bit bogged down in um, the NRL sort of narrative during a season, but it's actually was actually quite refreshing to step outside of that for a, a short period and, and learn some new things and some new uh, technologies and techniques that we were able to bring back here. So... Um, and, and as I mentioned before, we had a couple of our team members who came with me um, and they got some experience um, that they probably wouldn't have got as well. So I, I found it actually a really, um, a really productive time uh, and I didn't use it as a, a, a time where I was just going to you know, walk away and, and do nothing. I wanted to you know, continue to better my skills and, and, um, and then hopefully bring something back to the Raiders. Now, as we look ahead to 2021, what are you looking forward to the most when that ticks around? Look, um, like most people, I'm, I'm sort of optimistic that we'll be, you know, going back to some sort of sense of normality um, uh, in next season uh, and, and what those rules and regulations look like. But at the same time, I'm probably um, open-minded in the fact that there probably will be some initial restrictions and things that we have to face next year. And and that's just going to um, be a continuation of, um, you know, what's happening with the, the whole COVID situation in Australia and, and globally. So, um, we'll be keeping an eye, keeping an eye on that and um, and just seeing what happens and what unfolds in that space. And I know that the the NRLs um, already working with clubs on what the preseason is going to look like and and how um, clubs are able to you know sort of have some eased restrictions during that period before it gets to a point where teams are travelling and playing each other and we've got that risk um, sort of factor in place. So I think the players will appreciate being able to you know at least get through to the Christmas break and have some sort of normality in their life before they have to, you know, face those challenges in 2021. Um, but for us, it's just, a, um, I think 2021 is a real chance to to get back and celebrate what a great product we have. Um, I think we all took it a little bit for granted uh, in, in the lead up to these events. And I think people have been able to step back and say, geez, we've actually got a really good product and we're actually really lucky to work in the industry we work in. So uh, I think there'll be a, a refreshed sense of that um, right across the, the whole game. And I hope that clubs, um, players, um, staff, um, right from the bottom to the top, um, can continue to um, work really hard to promote the game. Uh, I'd, I would hate this to see to revert to 
um, situations where you know clubs and, and players are, are reluctant to um, put themselves out into the, the public and media spotlight because I think that's a huge part of what we are as a game is being able to promote um, and tell those stories and um, let's just hope that that uh, continues into 2021. Ben Pollock, thanks for joining me on 2020 Revision. Thanks, Ralph.